Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? All right, what's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the ReChurch Podcast, coming to you from the podcast hub known as Tyler's Office. This is Tyler Armstrong speaking. And uh, Thomas is not here with me today. Thomas has had a lot going on. Uh, just different things going on, so we're giving him a break. And so we are here with the one and only intern for the summer, Max Amelian Bolin. What's up, Max? Nothing much, Tyre. Appreciate you pulling me into this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Notice he said pulling me into this. It really was a pull. I was like, hey, Max, we're doing a podcast. Oh, okay. And so um, I don't know if you ha- if you guys haven't met Max. Max is a really awesome guy. He's uh, from this area. Uh, he is a student at the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois, otherwise known as Siberia, because it's always cold up there in the winter. Um, I mess around with him and tell him all the time, I'm like, I don't know how you survive in sub-zero temperatures, man. And so um, he's a really outdoorsy guy. don't know how he does it, but Max is uh, going into ministry. Um, what's your What's your major again? It's uh, youth ministry, right? So I actually, at Moody, you double major in Bible as well. I'm gotcha. majoring in intercultural studies. And have a minor in youth ministry. Okay, that's what it is. Okay, sweet. And so um, he can speak so much better than that because I don't go to Moody, right? And so, um, but anyway, so we're here. We're excited to have Max here with us. So Max, just go ahead and tell me who's got your ear this week. So right now, my podcast is very much not leading towards the Christian era, but more towards disc golf at the moment, as that is one of my biggest passions. And it's actually uh, called Disc Golf Audio talking specifically a lot about just what the league is doing, and they do a lot of answering questions that people submit. Very informative to someone who doesn't know a whole lot, but thinks he does. Yeah, and so Max and I, we are both big disc golfers. That's actually how I met Max, um, was through Ultimate Frisbee. Um, We both like uh, sports with Frisbees, and so um, I met his dad first, and then I met Max afterwards, and so um, I've known him, gosh, for all of about two or three years now. And so, um, through that has been a, just a, what's really welded us together is disc golf. So we love that sport. So if you're interested in the sport, do you think that's a good podcast for them to check out? They want to start out, like get to know the sport any, if you're wanting to get to know the sport, it's a very good introduction to it. I like it. They don't make things too hard, but it's also smooth throughout the process. I love it. And so for me, um, I've been listening to the leadership podcast with Charles Smith. Um, Charles Smith is actually, um, one on the leadership at uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I go to school. And uh, he does this podcast where he interviews all these different Christian leaders. And um, I've really enjoyed it. I've been listening to it uh, because I've been taking all these leadership courses for school. And so it's been really enlightening, really good. So who you've been worshiping with, Max? So whenever I come to worship, I always I like to go back to things that I know pretty much decently well. And in ours, I've been going back to the past about three years his name is Will Reagan, mm-hmm. and there's an album called Tell All My Friends, which theologically is very sound, good, smooth vibes throughout. I just thoroughly enjoyed the way he just presents the gospel in that way. Just notice he just said vibes. I did. Like, like, he just said vibes, <laughs> all right? Such a, like, millennial word. I love it, all right? Really Gen Z, which we'll get there in just a second. Um, we're big, me and Thomas are big Will Reagan fans. We've actually talked about that. And, uh, so is, uh, Justin who helps lead worship here. I know Jeff likes Will Reagan. And so, um, a lot of, you know, just great music. I love his album, um, where he's, uh, it's like, he has a song. It's like, um, not in a hurry, not in a hurry. That's on tell my friends. Oh, that is such a great album. All right. So I like that. I like Will Reagan a lot. So I've been listening to this guy named Montel Fish. <laughs> um, you remember Montel Fish. Who is that? Listen. 
look him up, like pause his podcast, go look him up, look up the album Bedroom Gospel. Really good. He recorded the entire album like from his bedroom. And so that's the reason why it's like that. And the first song on the album is Father Show Me Who I Am. Gosh. I mean, how would you describe Montel Fish, Max? Max is like a music like connoisseur, constantly consuming music. So so the way I would describe Montel Fish very briefly, if you're slowly finding out that you love people who do spoken word, um, that like that good, the lyrics in it is the reason you go and listen. Montel is a great first step into what a lot of new Christian music is moving towards mm-hmm. to be more acclimated to the all listening groups. So Montel Fish pretty much hits that home. Yeah, kind of kind of got this R&B, kind of this lo-fi mm-hmm. feel. And so I really like it. Um, may not be your speed, but it's my speed. And so... No, it's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. So what have you been reading, Max? So um, actually, uh, I've been reading The Contemplative Passer by Eugene Peterson. Yes. It was actually recommended to me by a couple people here on staff on just to slowly get into and read as I begin to do some preaching stuff with the youth just to enlighten myself more of what that could be as the contemplative pastor. Yeah, it's a, when it comes to pastoral ministry, that's one of the books I always recommend to people. Um, it's just Eugene Peterson, man. Like the, the way he writes is so articulate, so artistic. Um, if you're a big U2 fan, which somebody may be a U2 fan on this podcast, there's this really interesting uh, video series that Eugene Peterson and Bono break down the Psalms. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Did you know that? I did not know that, but yes. I love you too. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so go look that up. I mean, it, it's really interesting. So Eugene Peterson, really great guy. Um, we've mentioned him a couple times on the podcast, so that's a book I would recommend to really anyone interested in pastoral ministry. Um, so I've actually been reading this book for school. Um, I typically wouldn't read anything by this guy because this guy has disqualified himself from ministry, uh, which is really interesting that you know we actually read this book. Um, it's called Axiom by uh, Bill Hybels. Uh, now, I will say this about Axiom. It's a bunch of leadership proverbs, like devotional style. And so um, it, it, we, we had to read it. We have to read it through all the categories and then like write a summary of like what we learned from the top five categories. And like this one is like, did we do any learning? And it's essentially whenever somebody messes up um, that you serve alongside, that maybe even serves, you know, that you oversee in ministry, uh, which happens with me a lot. I, I serve with students. You know, I serve with college students, all of those things. So whenever I go to it, my first reaction most of the time is consequences. You know, I want to come down with consequences. Like, man, there's consequences for these actions. But Bill Heibel says, you know, one of the questions that we should ask is, did we do any learning? Did we do any learning? And that's such a great question um, to ask, and it completely changes the dynamic of a meeting. So I read that, and I was like, man, that just stood out to me. And so um, if you're in, in leadership at any point, you can borrow this book from me when I'm done with it. I'll be done with it next week for school. And so well, actually when this podcast comes out, I'll be done with it. So um, you can come borrow it any time. So uh, pretty decent book. So what's a book everyone needs to read? So a book that I think that everyone needs to read is called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. And the reason I say that is anybody getting into the Christian faith, the aspect and the idea of the Trinity is mind-boggling because mm-hmm. there's just so much there and can be sent askewed in so many different directions. Yes. But Michael Reeves takes a noticeably short book to begin to show you the process of what the Trinity is in the Christian faith, and it's a great introduction in opening that door. Yeah, so, I mean, it's only 135 pages. I just looked it up on Amazon, so 135 pages. That's a really quick read for a lot of people. Fast read. That That's a good day, day and a half, depending on who you are, mm-hmm. and 
I can absolutely guarantee that you will learn something more about the Christian faith on a deeper level than you did before you started. Yeah, I've seen that book recommended a couple times. I've yet to read it. You, you and your dad have both told me to read mm-hmm. it like so many times, and I just have not gotten to it yet. So hopefully, like when I get like a four day break here in a couple of weeks, when I finally finish my summer courses, I'll be able to dive into that. So put that book on standby for me if you got it at the house. So sure. Uh, for me, um, I'm going to recommend this, uh, this momentary marriage. Now, some of you who listen to this podcast are not married. I still would encourage you to read this book. Um, it's This Momentary Marriage by John Piper, A Parable of Permanence. Um, essentially, it's just how marriage points to the gospel. Um, and he uses uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, who's one of my, one of our favorites, man. Bonhoeffer's a beast. He's stellar. Uh, one of one of the best. Um, if you're not familiar with Bonhoeffer, he was a pastor who was also a spy, um, who was <laughs> hung by the Nazis in World War yeah. II, um, and then the war ended right after he. I mean, like within a week or so. Um, right after he was um, lynched for his war crimes. Um, but he was in a plot to assassinate Hitler. I mean, just I mean, crazy story. And uh, Piper actually takes letters that he was writing to his fiance while he was in prison and like takes them and uses them and shows like how marriage really is just this is momentary. It's just this parable of permanence. It feels like it's going to last forever and then it doesn't, but how it points to the gospel. It's just a beautiful book. Um, I would encourage anyone single married just to pick it up. It is phenomenal. I love it. And it's a pretty quick read itself. And so you got to dive deep into it. So, well, anyway, let's get to the topic of today's podcast, shift gears for just a minute. Max, what are we talking about today? I don't even know, man. What are we talking about? You know, I don't super know either. No, I'm kidding. We're going uh, <laughs> to be talking a lot about the um, the Generation Z and just, there's so much just around that generation. I'm just, first off, where the cutoff is after doing a lot of reading, <laughs> they can't fully decide what year Gen yes. Z actually starts. Yes. So I can't tell if I'm actually a part of it or if I'm not, Yeah. Um, so but th- you never know. <laughs> this podcast kind of sprung up because <laughs> I was like, hey, Max is in Generation Z, and then we did some reading, we're like, well, Max is like, I don't know where Max is. And so uh, Max was born in 1997. And so he is technically classified a millennial. Depending on Um, who you ask. Yeah, yeah, depending (laughs) on who you ask, is sociology. But at the same time, we're going to talk about Generation Z. So when we say Gen, we're going to start using it Gen Z from here on out. Um, We're talking about the largest generation. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's one of the largest generations coming up. Um, We're right behind the millennials. And what I've noticed, you know, serving in student ministry is, is for the last probably 10, 15 years, everything's been, here's how to reach millennials, how to reach millennials, how to reach millennials. Um, and then it's kind of become a, a running joke of blame the millennials. You know, millennials are the reason everything's messed up in the world. And so, and as a millennial, that triggers me a little bit. <laughs> but what we need to notice, if we're being honest, as the church, is that the world and the enemy, corporations, businesses, um, television, everything. I mean, our iPhones, everything has already shifted to how can we reach Gen Z? And I'm afraid that if the church doesn't shift and say, how can we reach all people, including Gen Z? How can we, you know, essentially penetrate this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're going to miss out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the studies are showing this. I mean, this is a huge thing. So they are quickly becoming the largest generation yet. Uh, they are today's teenagers and children, born between 1999 to 2015. 
And so just to give you some examples of the other generations, millennials were born 1984 to 1998. So Max is a millennial, but he's right there on that cutoff date. Uh, Gen X, 1965 to 1983. Boomers, 1946 to 1964. Elders were born before 1946. I've also heard that called the silent generation. Um, I've never actually heard elders before. But yeah, I've heard, I, I, I've heard the silent generation. And so these are what sociologists have divided our generations by. Now, the reason Gen Z is called Gen Z, fun fact, is because they think that this is going to be the last generation because things change so fast now mm-hmm. that they're not going to be able to classify people like like age groups by generations anymore because things are changing so fast now. So Gen Z is called the last generation because they're going to start instead of doing like, you know, right here we see almost a between the millennials, a 14 year span, you mm-hmm. know, where things change so quickly now that's almost every five years. And yeah. so um, let's just talk about Gen Z really quick, do like a really quick overview and then how, what we see and how we can actually reach them with the gospel, what we see. And so we're going to be interpreting some different articles that we've read, uh, that we've read through uh, one from Biola university and the other from uh, the gospel coalition, which we've recommended many a times. And so um, Gen Z one marker is technology. So Max, what do you see about Gen Z and technology? Tyler, to be honest with you, the question is not what do you see, is when do you see a Gen Zer without technology? Yes, that's so good. And it is almost never. Technology is essentially probably the biggest aspect in any Gen Zer's life, and to a degree has completely taken a hold of everything they do. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that can be both a good thing and a bad thing, because you definitely can gain either from, but consistently we've seen out technology has not increased them in the mind and aspect of Christianity but decrease it in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, you know, the one uh, sociologist calls them screenagers. 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 You know, and, and and it's so interesting that you know their screen time on their on their media devices, fifty more like over fifty percent use screen media four or more hours a day. All right, so around fifty-seven percent is that number. So that's four or more hours a day. It's a lot. It's a it's a lot, and I mean, if you think about it, what they're being exposed to, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, with 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 the realm of internet pornography, um, bull, online cyberbullying, all these things, it's constantly. What I've noticed is is that technology kind of gives them give this gives Gen Z this illusion that they're closer to people than what they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, social media and all of it. I, I hate to break it to people. It's an illusion. Every bit of it is an illusion. Um, it is what we want people to see. And so it's really hard to develop real relationships through screens. Now, I'm also not the type of person that like says, get rid of all technology. Um, I'm a big technology proponent. Um, I think that we need to use it. I think that um, we can help in that. And so one of the ways that we need to do this is help Gen Z to see that, number one, they're image bearers, that they have worth in Christ. They, can, they need to find their identity in Christ. But then also, I mean, some of you who are listening to this are parents of, you know, Generation Z children. You know, think about this in your own walk. I mean, as you see in your parent in your parenting, how much screen time are your kids? You know, I mean, even me speaking as a parent, I'm trying to figure out a way to monitor that as somebody who has a lot of screen time, you know, mm-hmm. as myself in ministry. And so um, what about this? What about their worldview? So technology being one of the major markers of Gen Z, what about their worldview? Just the worldview of someone who is a yeah, Gen who Z. Yeah, who Gen Z, like just a typical Gen Z walking down the street. So honestly, the worldview of a Gen Zer can be based off so many things. And if you think of just in religion, Christianity is not a major influence in their lives. Yeah. If you think back to those of you who are listening to this, my guess is are not Gen Zers at the moment. When you were growing up, you had Wednesdays and Sundays at the very least that were set aside. Those were church days. And I yeah. say that with air quotes. Yeah. They were given... Without even really being talked about, that time was set aside. 
now you can barely have any of that. On Wednesdays, there's always some kind of practice. The weekends, there's some kind of games, everything going mm-hmm. on. And almost always, Gen Z and the families of Gen Z tend to choose the activities they're in rather than church. So the aspect and the mindset of Christianity wrapping it around has been slowly let loose and has become very small in the back of their mind. Yeah, and so, I mean, and they've grown up in a world where Christianity isn't a major player, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's not this major player. It's not a major influence. Um, one Barna study, Barna's a major Christian researcher, says teens 13 to 18 in today's world are twice as likely as adults to say they're atheists. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, just the idea of God. Um, and it, Mark Sayers in the uh, This Cultural Moment podcast talks about this. He says that, Millennials and Generation Z, they crave the kingdom, talking about the, the, this utopia kingdom that Christ will bring mm-hmm. without the king. They want this utopia society that is coming. And I mean, I even saw a guy, one of the guys that used to be in DC Talk. Are you familiar with DC Talk? Yes, okay, I'm just making sure. DC Talk. Okay, okay, just making sure. I was like, I was like, you know, that was like right there on the edge of my generation. <laughs> I, I'm so, young, but I'm not that young. Yeah, man. And so um, you're not much younger than me, but at the same time, just make it sure. Um, one of the guys from DC Talk, he's in deconstruction right now, which is like the new term for somebody who's leaving the faith. They're deconstructing their religious. Really? They're like, yeah, their religious mantle. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, I'll look it up later. Uh, I don't have it right here. But he actually put on Twitter, everyone hold out, utopia is coming. Utopia. Utopia. So it's this idea of kingdom without the king, right? That, that Mark Sayers from Australia, he, he, he points this out. This is what they crave, right? They want to be inclusive of all people. Mm-hmm. The, the generation Z is very open-minded. They're sensitive to other people's feelings. So on positive side, they're very inclusive, more inclusive mm-hmm. than previous generations. Sure. The problem is, is that they have a more flexible moral compass that leads them to unclear paths which then takes them away from absolute truth into more relative truth, you know? Sure. And that, man, you want to talk about trying to shape someone like that, trying to disciple someone like that? It's it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing we got to do, but this guy says churches can help Gen Z with developing a Christian worldview that exemplifies Christian virtues that sustain Gen Z's compassion and concern for others. There's also another thing to think about. Even though Gen Z may be one of the most unreached generations we have ever had, those who get it, they get it deep, yes. and their Christian walk has just flourishes so well and so fast because of the open awareness they have of the rest of the world, unlike so many generations the past have. But it's going to take an extra step to get them to that point. Yes. But if you get it there, it's beautiful to watch. Oh man, they just they they dive in, you know, hook, line, and sinker, and they're they're balled in. And, and I'm even seeing that in our own student ministry, mm-hmm. um, how so many Gen Z, you know, students, man, when they when the gospel gets just seeds just so deep in their heart. They want to grow. They, they want to know more. They're asking the deep questions. And so it's really fun to work with them, but mm-hmm. we need to turn our focus towards that if we're going to reach them. I mean, Absolutely. And so uh, what about their identity? So let's talk about their identity crisis that many, many of them are in. Oh, man. All right. This in itself is just such a loaded question, especially with the way the world is today. What a lot is happening right now with Gen Zers is – not only the fact of their identity of who they are, but a lot of it has to deal also with the identity of their sexuality in the sense of, it says right now we have a statistic saying one third of teenagers in this generation feel that they are not who they are at their birth sex. They identify with something else. That they feel on the inside. They feel on the inside. Everything is feel rather than the actual anatomy. Of yeah. It. Yeah. The biology is out the window, right? And, and yep. what God has created them to be is out the window. Mm-hmm. So. So, but in that, that, that brings an entirely different realm because the way you preach and bring the gospel, 
can change drastically because they have this mindset of they are someone different than who they are on the outside. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm even seeing this now with, with our generation, um, millennials. I mean, we, I'm seeing that in like kind of ours, but the other day, so I was on TikTok, you know, and so my student ministry is coming out. And so I was on TikTok. Can't laugh at you. I'm on it too. Yeah. And so, I mean, I mean, you gotta be where the kids are, you know? Mm -hmm. And on top of that, man, TikTok, man, there's some funny stuff on there, man. There really is. And so at the same time, you gotta be careful, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as all social media. But I was on TikTok the other day, and uh, this girl, I mean, I was just scrolling through my feed, and you know, random stuff pops up. Oh, absolutely. And this girl was explaining what pansexuality was. You know, and so many of you not, may not be familiar with pansexuality. It's They're not concerned with whether somebody's a boy or a girl or a mm-hmm. transgender male or a transgender female. They matter about what's on the inside, what that person feels. So they're attracted mm-hmm. to essentially anyone. Mm-hmm. And so I was like my goodness, like this is, we, we, we sit there and we go, Oh my gosh, this is so mind blowing. But when we read what the early church had to deal with, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean like they had like temples that were dedicated to like, I mean, literally prostitution. Um, they had all these things. We need to flesh out a theology of sexuality, a theology of marriage. We need to flesh these things out and show what it really means biblically to be male and female how God has created us in his image uniquely in that way to complement one another. And we need to spend time on that. We need to spend mm-hmm. time on a healthy sexuality to explain to them, to teach them. And what happens is, is that, I mean, hopefully what happens is, is that we see a generation overcome with love for Christ and a love for his word and a love for how the for how the Bible defines them. Does that make sense, Max? Yeah, absolutely. And so... Um, that is a major marker, though, is their identity, you know, their gender, all these things, these gender issues. So, and I would encourage you, if you haven't read up on gender issues recently, it's do packed. so, do so. There's a book that I would yeah. recommend to anyone. Um, it's literally called Gender. Um, I have it. It's a, I'm talking a maybe, maybe 15-minute read. It's called Gender. It's a tiny pamphlet, and it helps you as a parent, teacher, uh, Sunday school leader, whatever it is to walk through gender issues with different age groups. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely phenomenal, but you need to know these things. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, if you're listening to this, you need to know these things. It is that important because if you don't know the gender terms, man, you could really offend someone. I mean, I mean, and then even, and even not even offending someone, you may just be absolutely clueless when somebody's talking to you about these things. So mm-hmm. just being familiar with the terms is huge. And so, um, Let's go ahead and just skip down. Let's talk about diversity in Gen Z. They are the most ethnically diverse generation in American history. Yes. Ethnically diverse. That's insane. Which is really crazy to hear because, I mean, I think about just generations past, there was not such a big diversity that there is now. I mean, you look out into Generation Z, the odds that you see just so much of the same is very inconsistent. There's a wide span throughout. Yeah. And so what I would like to see, you know, the church is to embrace this, to embrace this diversity. Mm -hmm. Because even though in our current climate, these racial tensions are still climbing high. Absolutely. As they still climb so high, we can imitate Gen Z's passion for inclusion and acceptance Mm -hmm. of other generations. And then hopefully start to, you know, see the gospel break down these racial tensions because we are imitating Gen Z's love for our diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when you look at the protests now that are going on, I mean, the majority of the people that are out there are Gen Z. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a lot of these young college students who are out there protesting, who are standing there. And, and, and the millennials are out there as well, you know. Um, 
mean, there's really all age groups defined, Absolutely. but we see a lot of young people in the midst of this. And it's because of this inclusive nature about mm-hmm. it. We need to realize that. And like we said at the beginning, Gen Zers, because they have this worldview that's so broad in perspective, the passion they have for certain aspects is so much higher than it has been in the past, which is another reason that you see them so more prominent in things like this that's happening right now. Yeah. And so let's kind of shift over to what David Kinnaman has to say about it in, um, in, in, in his book, uh, Faith for Exiles. Uh, five ways for new generation to follow Jesus in digital Babylon. Like I love that. I love that language, digital Babylon. Yeah. Um, that is what he says that Gen Z is living in right now is digital digital Babylon, and he gives five key tenets that the church can do to help win back teenagers, win back Gen Z for Christ. Because this is what we need to realize: if we don't win back this generation, if we do not win this generation for Christ. Y'all, this is a large, large generation. Um, This 15-year-old from Northern Virginia said this about Christianity. It's cold, alienating, and too traditional. Cold, alienating, too too traditional. In the opinion piece, she said, churches could win back teenagers like me if they were more welcoming and less judgmental. She's 15. 15. 15 years old, right? Wrote that in an opinion piece for USA Today. Lifeway Research, which is um, Southern Baptist Lifeway, the the research arm of our um, entity, 66% of American young adults, Generation Z, who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year as a teenager, say they also dropped out for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. So the problem is is that we go, what what are we doing wrong? what, What are we doing wrong? Well, we need to be asking what did, what worked, we need to examine our own hearts and say, okay, what worked and what can we do better? Mm-hmm. Instead of wondering what went wrong and focusing on all those things. So this is what we could do better for those who are living in digital Babylon, all right? This complex culture that's marked by immediate access. I mean, me as a history teacher, I mean, y'all, I want kids to read a book. They don't have to read a, read a book anymore. They can literally just Google it. It's there. The world is at their hands. It's a, literally an appendage of their body now. Their cell phone is. When's the last time you saw a Gen Z read a book for fun? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I actually have one in the office right now. He's up here hanging out with us. When's the last time you read a book for fun? He couldn't oh, tell me. He couldn't <laughs> tell me. And so, I mean, it, it's it, and, and as he's saying this, he's on his phone right now, you know? And so and I'm not calling him out. It's just the way that it goes. It's the way that it works. And so the number one thing that he says is to form a resilient identity, Gen Z needs to experience intimacy with Jesus. Absolutely. And so what does culture tell Gen Z? Like, like, like What is the culture telling Gen Z? Just talking about they want to find like their individuality throughout the culture they're in to live the life for themselves, to see what they have set before them, going against completely what Christ has for them in their life. Because that's something, like we said, that two-thirds have left the church from those who have gone. They have been told to find out, to go and find themselves. I've heard yeah. that a lot. They go on in time just to find themselves, feel where, I, where I'm at, where mm-hmm. I need to go rather than just going towards Christ. Yeah, running to Christ, finding their identity in Him. And um, the problem is, is a lot of the churches are, are trying to reach Gen Z in a lot of ways, which I'm super thankful we have not went here, is they brand Jesus up. You know, mm-hmm. they try to like make Jesus like this like cool, hip thing to do. Mm-hmm. When in all reality, Jesus isn't just this 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 add-on to our life. No, it's, it's, it's this transformational relationship. Mm-hmm. That when we find our identity in Christ, when we find our identity in the person and work of Jesus, it changes us into a new creation. And so what else does David Kinnaman say about this? 
about the first point of forming a you have a second point second point mm-hmm. so it says that we're supposed to like in a complex and anxious age develop muscles for cultural discernment oh i love that develop muscles of cultural discernment so like okay so in an age of transformation all right our teenagers are being discipled by the internet you have no idea what you can find on the internet. Yeah, and, and on oh top of that, like, goodness. can we just talk about how ingrained our phones are into our lives? Okay, so let me give you an example. <laughs> this, this, this is a real thing that happened to me the other day. It was, on, it was on a Saturday. I was on my way to Wild Haven, which is the local community pool here that we're, me and my family are members of. And I got in the car at like 12.15. It gave me directions to my mother's house. Because for the last few Saturdays, I had been going to my mom's house on Saturdays around 12.15. My phone had been reading my patterns so much to tell me directions to my mom's house. It's going to, it said it'll take 23 minutes to get to my mom's address. This makes me think of the movie I, Robot with Will Smith. Yes. I just get a little scared. Oh, oh it's it's nerve-wracking, <laughs> right? I mean, and, and, and so, like, think about, like, I mean, even TikTok. I mean, when you're bringing up mm-hmm. TikTok just a while back, TikTok, you know, forms your For You page, which is, like, the main feed. That's why it's For You. Yeah, For You. <laughs> it's an individual page based upon your likes and the content that you engage with. And so, like, Max's For You page looks completely different than my For You page. And so, literally, we it's just... Information all around, information mm-hmm. overload, discipling our teens. The internet's doing it. And so how can we flex these muscles? This is what David Kinneman says. He says, it is of utmost importance that we get generation involved in a robust learning community under the authority of the Bible in order to wisely navigate an accelerated complex culture. What, the authority of the Bible. And what he's saying, rather, he's not saying get rid of the internet completely. No. He, he's saying use what we can learn in the Bible, in the community to navigate the what the rest of the world has to offer in yes. that. Having the biblical mindset first, shaping the worldview that Gen Z has already being so broad, making that the the actual center point. Yes, I mean, um, I think it was uh, Calvin, John Calvin, that says that we need to place the spectacles of faith, mm-hmm. you know, that the Holy Spirit gives us the spectacles of faith so that we can read the Word, so we can see the thing. But I also want to take that and say that I think that the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to break down the culture discern the culture through the lens of a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding that when we view the world through the lens of Scripture, it actually pushes us back to Christ mm-hmm. and how Christ would live in this. And so um, the third point that he says is this, when isolation and mistrust are the norms, this is this is a norm for Gen Z. I mean, in the midst of this, isolation because of, so, because of their social norms, their technology, all these things, mistrust. Forge meaningful intergenerational relationships. I think this is one of the biggest ones for the church in today. You think so? I, I really do. I think that what we need, mm-hmm. especially for children's ministry and student ministry here at 12th Street, is we need adults to say, how can I invest in this next generation? Definitely. And the way that you invest in the next generation is you don't just, you know, you don't just volunteer just an hour a week. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine if that's what you want to do. That's completely fine. If that's all you want to give, that's great. Sure. If you want to see meaningful relationships, though, man, take these. I mean, it's kind of hard to do this right now because of the current pandemic world that we're in. But take them out to eat. Take them fishing. Mm-hmm. Hang out with them. Talk with them. Um, I mean, I see this every. I mean, in in our small group environments back here, I see that you know, our our leaders they invest mm-hmm. and in return our kids trust. 
And so, and that builds these meaningful relationships. Now I would love to see, especially in our student ministry, just putting this out there, I would love to see us have more intergenerational members of that relationship with the senior adults, with some of the boomers and the elders of our church, mm-hmm. and especially in the kids ministry as well. If our strongest theologians need to be in the kids ministry. I say that all the time. The strongest theologians in the church need to be in the kids' ministry to shape them, to guide them. One of the most impactful times for me growing up is being a greeter at the church I was. Everyone besides me was at least 30 years older than I was. And with that, there's a different aspect of wisdom in the life they live with Christ that even in just the small time you have of welcoming people to church, they're still pouring into you in the conversations that you have and absolutely shaped who I am today in a lot of different ways. Yeah, and, and, and that just goes back to, I mean, this is what uh, Kinnaman says about this. Uh, Kinnaman works for Barna, so he's the guy who leads Barna Research Group. Disparate life experiences lead generations to dismiss and devalue one another. We see this all the time, mm-hmm. right? But the church must be the place where we give no quarter to that destructive thinking. We need one another to get on with our mission, our kingdom-minded mission. And the I mean, this vision at Troll Street being a family for families. How can we be a family for families if even within our own family we're not hanging out together? Sure. If we're not gathering together, if we're not, if if, if the senior adults aren't mentoring, and the mm-hmm. and even and even this, the Gen Z are not mentoring. The mm-hmm. Generation Z are not mentoring and and walking alongside and 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 and, and just building relationships. Right. We got to see this happen if we're going to reach this generation. Absolutely. And so. Um, Fourth point, to ground and motivate an ambitious generation, train for vocational discipleship. Mm. And so when I hear vocational discipleship, this is talking about discipleship in the workforce, in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And so how have you seen this, Max? Like how, how have you seen like generate, especially for you, you know, somebody discipling to get you into the workplace, you know? Like talking about the aspect of just how me going about my daily life have been able to spread the gospel to others? Yes, yes. That's good. So... With me being on the cuff of whether or not I'm actually millennial or rather Gen Z, we'll go based off who I spend more time with in the moment. And being in college and a senior in college, I'm I'm basically a lot more with Gen Z than I am anyone else. Yeah. And in that, the the preparation that I've had, all of this starts in the home life. Yeah. So often I get mislooked, even though parents are very influential in who you are. But now more than ever, because so often Gen Z sees parents, they admire them, but they're still looking for that that hero they have in mind. Man, that's good. So what parents seem to do is with the church, the church can pour into the parents and parents pour into the kids. And that Gen Z, with that train they've had, will be able to go out to their friend groups because with this being such a generation with such a wide span of a worldview, they're willing to go into almost any people group. Yeah. With that being a lot of unreached people, they can be close friends, but if they have no, either one, no ambition or desire or no teaching on how to reach out to them without being overbearing, yeah, it's a complete and utter missed opportunity to spread the gospel. So what we can do right now in the aspect of making them ready for that vocational aspect of life is being, like Tyler said, taking the time to disciple and to teach and to show them what it means to express and show the love of God in a way that is not overbearing and overpowering, but more of expressing the mercy they've been showed to show others. Man, that's good. I honestly don't have anything to add to that. Like that was just that was <laughs> that was too good. Um, I mean, as this generation, they do get ready to go on. You know mm-hmm. what Max said is so important. We need to teach them, train them, and then show them how the theology that they've grown up in, hopefully in the church, or even have to, you know, came acclimated in into the church, you know, 
um, how it works out in their life and how they can share that along. And so um, the fifth point is this, the last point of how to reach uh, Generation Z, curb entitlement and self-centered tendencies, all right, by engaging in countercultural mission. Mm-hmm. The world has preached self-worship to our kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they have, it is all about who? You. It's all about me. It's all about my journey, going, my walk. Going back to the finding myself aspect. Yes. And so, I mean, and I, I even see this sometimes like in, in some of the kid shows that my kid watches. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's all, it's, 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 it's a self-centered, you know, worldview that it's all about us. And the thing is, is that we don't really need to be taught that. That's how we're born. We are born very self-centered. We 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 are idol factories. We make idols out of everything because we want to worship what makes us comfortable. Are you saying we were born to a fallen world, Tyler? Yeah, man, we're oh, born wow. to a fallen world, and we're born <laughs> fallen beings, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. we are born fallen and broken beings, and so the way we do this is that we encourage our kids to be selfless, mm-hmm. to be selfless as Jesus was selfless, mm-hmm. and teach them to rebel against society's norms. Society's norms are for them just to embrace this open-minded world that's kind of like this choose-your-own-journey world. Um, it's kind of like one of those books. I don't know if you've ever read one of those books, you know, the choose-your-own-journey, like flip to this page for this or flip to this mm-hmm. page for this. And so um, those used to be super popular back in the day. I remember I checked one of those out from the Gadsden Library a long time ago. We need to teach them that the way they do this is to not choose their own journey, but to choose Christ's journey. Absolutely. To, to rebel against society's norms and find joy in the mission that Jesus has for them. And then what will happen is, is that they will become resilient disciples of Jesus Christ. Definitely. And so here's the thing, y'all. This is a lot. Um, but there, here's a book I would recommend to you. It is Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. And uh, Max also found a really good uh, panel discussion from a couple of pastors talking about what pastors need to know about Generation Z. But I think that, I think it's applicable to any parent, um, any, anyone who's interested in Generation Z. Mm-hmm. We need to rightly grieve those who have abandoned the faith. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We, we don't need to at the same time re- forget to rejoice in our faith and share our faith with those around us, especially Generation Z. So when you come alongside Generation Z, all right, when you come alongside them, point them to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Point them to Jesus. Make sure that they know Jesus. Make sure that they love Jesus. And walk alongside them mm-hmm. in the ways of Jesus. And what will happen is, is that they will grow to serve and love God's church. And they'll pass on the faith to the next generation. As it has been, the church is as resilient. The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. And so, Max, you got anything else you need to add? Yeah, and the reason we say all this is not to bring us kind of a downer to the situation. Even though Gen Z, just historically, is just very unreached, it also brings hope for we know, for Christianity being as resilient it is, in the midst of all this change that we have, that the gospel and the message of Christ is always and forever, forever be constant in our lives and the lives around us. But we just have to want to take that step to show that to others, even though it's not going to be easy. I mean, you can read anywhere in Scripture, nowhere is that say that the Christian walk is an easy one. Yes. And the things that are easy don't normally bring as much fruit as the things that you really have to strive and labor over for. As, and that's no different for the Christian walk that we have. We, we will work and we will process and we will dive deep into Generation Z and they will, as Tyler said, bring forth this the new wave of Christianity that I'm so excited to see. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to see what God does in this next generation. So, y'all, we just want to invite you. Pray for Generation Z. Pray for them. Reach them. Engage them. 
And y'all, this concludes our episode for this week's episode of the ReChurch Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. And um, as always, if you have any ideas that you want to hear about a podcast, any questions you have for us, be sure to hit us up. See you next week, peeps.